Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Radio Red in the house. Thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure, my longtime introducer, and a shout out to my engineer, the one name wonder Josh at Voice America, the Empowerment Channel. Radio Red in the house. I am broadcasting for the first time live from Loudoun, Tennessee. I moved to Teleco Village three days ago. The first room I got set up in my new house is my studio. Of course, ladies, that's more important than the kitchen. That's more, I've got my old ladies on the show today. More important than the kitchen, more important than the bedroom, the bathroom pretty much too, and everything else will have to wait. So delighted to be here. I have a new office. I'm looking out on this gorgeous front lawn with a garden that wraps around the house more than I thought I was buying when I looked at them. I've never been to Tennessee until two days ago. I want you to know this was all done by video, the modern way to shop for a new home. So happy to be here. Ladies on my panel, I have a quick homework assignment for you. We're going to do it right now. On the count of three, you're going to join me in saying hello, L, L, L. Here we go. One, two, three. Hello, L, Josh, I say it every week, but I think this was the best ever. Honestly, just absolutely the best ever. They were just so in sync. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. She lives in Whitestone, New York. And if I get her to move here with me to Loudon, it'll be lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener in Loudon. You see, I was supposed to move to London, but I had a problem with the letters in the word. So instead of the N in London, I ended up with a U in Loudon. That's a joke. <laughs> anyway, I think it works, don't you? Okay. Elaine, Elaine got the joke. So we're here. This is what day is it? Oh, my goodness. It's October 3rd. It's the 276th day of the year in the Gregorian calendar. I always do a shout out to Greg, Gregory, Gregor, whatever his mommy called him. We're still using his calendar. Your baby did really well, mommy. There are 89 days left in the year. This is the 40th Monday. Nobody cares about that except me, but there's 89 days left. So Karen, if you're going to be making Kahlua in the sink in the garage, it's time to get started. Leonie, if you're going to be doing whiskey in the back of the porch, it's time to get started. <laughs> Elaine, if you're going to be buying something very special in terms of wine, go to either your local wine store. And Linda, if you're going to be buying from an online liquor store, wine store, the shelves will be cleared out very soon because this is going to be a major, yes, we made it through another year, right? This is going to be a year to celebrate. So it's it's time. We are in the period, the setting, the zodiac of Libra, which is near and dear to me because I have a birthday coming up. I'm not telling you all when, but it's coming up soon. Libra, the seventh astrological sign in the zodiac, the celestial longitude, in case you're interested, I know you're all dying to know, is 180 to 210 degrees, goes from September 23rd to October 23rd, the scales of justice held by Themis, the Greek personification of divine law and custom, the inspiration for modern depictions of lady justice and the ruling planet is Venus. So they are Venus, the goddess of love. I want to say I'm delighted to be here for so many, so many reasons. So let's get started. I have four wonderful guests. I met three of them on the publicity summit and one of them brought somebody along with her. Leonie, I'm talking about you. So here we go. I'm going to just <laughs> announce this, the order, and then I will ask each of them to please introduce themselves. So first up, we'll be talking to Linda Cutting. Linda, wave hello for everybody. Linda right. is the author of Memory Slips, the children's book of verses about adoption. Actually, and- no. <clears throat> Memory Slips was a memoir. Oh. 
And A is for Always is the children's book. It's the children's book. book. I didn't have a yeah. comment. The author of her memoir, Memory Slips, and the children's book of verses about adoption. Thank you. A is for Always. And she was on the Today Show to launch her memoir. And guess what she did? She played the piano. Good for you, Linda. Wish we had a piano here, but I see a harp behind you. I don't know if you play that too, but welcome. There's a, there's a harp and a piano, but, okay, but, I, maybe. but I, I prefer it. <laughs> okay. Welcome, Linda. Then we have Leone, little Lex. Leone, say hello. Wave to everybody. Oh, there hi. she is. She's a fine artist. Perfect for a show about creativity, Leone. Specialized in painting and pen and ink drawings, and she's the illustrator of Linda Cutting's book. A is for always. Leone, very happy to have you here. Leone gave us a weather report. She's on the Cape and it's windy. So we hope you're okay. And if you have to drop, boohoo, but try to get back if your power doesn't fail completely. Then we have Elaine Lyerly. Hello, Elaine. She's the CEO of her own brand marketing and PR firm. She's a former fashion illustrator. I can tell from that gorgeous scarf you're wearing. And she's the co-author of, I love this, Outrageous Things Men Say to Women in the Workplace. OMG, I could have contributed to that one, kid. And along with her is Karen Teller. Karen, wave hello. Karen is the co-author of Elaine's book. She's a runner and a Red Cross volunteer. Ladies, I'm so happy to have all of you. Let's get the party started. So Linda Cutting, you're up first. Why don't you give us a three-minute bio? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what your memoir was about, and a quick take on what does creativity mean to you. Linda, I'm going to attempt to put you on speaker view. Sometimes it freezes, so I will go back and forth. But Linda, welcome. Thank you. Um, Well, I am a minister's daughter. I grew up in neighborhoods that were wealthier than we were and um, found the best way to deal with that was to create. I created my own clothing. I played the piano. There were pianos available in all the churches where my father was a minister. And um, I also drew and I wrote. And um, lo and behold, I Starting in my 20s, had a concert career, which um, took me around the world. I performed, um, it was so long ago, I performed when John Williams was conducting Boston Pops, and um, which was a wonderful experience. He's an amazing conductor. Um, and then in the late 90s, I started writing, excuse me, I wrote my memoir, Memory Slips, which is a difficult word in the classical music um, it means that you're on stage and you forget where you are. And, um, but it also meant that I had memories from long ago, intruding, traumatic memories, um, intruding. And uh, I alternated those difficult chapters with the ones about music. And that kind of got me started. And then I, um, I taught college uh, for many years. I adopted two wonderful kids with my husband who are now 17 and 21. And um, my daughter, who was six at the time, came marching down the hall with two different books on adoption and said, Mom, Mom, why are my adoption books different from my brother's? And I said, well, you were born in China. He was born in the US. US." She says, that's not right. There should be one adoption book for everyone from everywhere so no one feels left out. So that's how Always for Always got started. Wow, that's a lovely story. So your daughter, your adopted daughter from China helped the creativity part of you say, I need to create a book for everybody. Very interesting. Thank you so much, Linda. Let's go around the table. Leone, welcome. How are you? Are you you okay? Are you okay with the weather? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, It's just windy here. I mean, it's just typical, I think, after the hurricane kind of aftermath, right? 
So introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about how you got started as a fine artist and what exactly does that mean today? Leonie, welcome. Um, So I am a fine artist. My name is Leonie, little X. I'm a fine artist and an illustrator. Um, And what that means, I mostly paint and draw. I'm a 2D artist. I've been doing it all my life or since I can remember. Um, For me, there was never really another thing that I could see myself doing or being. So um, I I think for me, creativity is just like part of um, how I think. And, um, and, you know, there's other ways of, of, uh, of, or there's other things that come along with that. Like maybe you're not so good at, at like logically logical thinking all the time, but you have like a creative brain. Um, and yeah, I, I make, um, paintings, drawings. Um, I've always kind of, kind of, um, toe the line between fine art and illustration. Illustration would be like, um, drawing for a book or a, a logo design. Like this. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, Thank you, Linda. Fine art is more, um, just my own work. And, um, I make, I make, fine art drawings and um, prints and paintings. And I'm in my studio right now. And I have a bunch of things that are in the works as always. Wonderful. And do you work on commission with specific clients or with corporations or who, who is your clientele, Leone? Besides Linda. Commission. So people will reach out if they want a specific painting. I, I do art shows. I'm, I show in gallery spaces. Um, so so people find me and they like my work and then they either want to buy something of mine or they want to commission me for something. Um, and then I also run my own private art lesson business. Um, and I teach, I teach art lessons. What, what ages do you teach, Leonie? teach all ages, um, mostly kids, but teens and adults as well. And I help people put their portfolios together for art college and high school applications. Well, I would say you've created a niche profession for yourself, wouldn't you? You found a need, you found a talent, you put the two together, and you're doing business on so many levels. Bravo to you, Leone. We're very happy to have you here. Thank you so much. And the cover of Linda's book is lovely. So thank you for that, Linda. A little show and tell there. Absolutely lovely. Let's go around the table. Elaine Lyerly, welcome. How are you? And Elaine, I'm going to put you on speaker view briefly. So tell us who you are, what you do. And I want to know about your book. Go ahead. Okay, great. I'm Elaine Lyerly, and I, too, grew up drawing. I loved art. Um, went to art school, communication degree. And uh, and it's interesting. I was one of those starving artists trying to help pay my way through college. And uh, a man asked me to paint some big things on the bar that he owned. So I did that. Another man walked in, and he said, could you do some things in my bar as well? And I said, sure. So I went to his bar and I didn't know it was a topless bar. (laughs) So I ended up painting nude ladies at his bar. Um, Never tell my parents because it would have freaked them out. Um, But I went on to be a fashion illustrator and then I ended up in the advertising agency business and started a firm with my sister. And we've been in business for about 40 years. Um, I have one adopted son. And Linda, I wish I'd had your book. Uh, my <laughs> son's 28, and he's from South America. 
amazing thing. So creativity for me is letting your mind be a magnet for what you love doing. And when I was a designer in an agency, I would imagine the top of my head opening up and my mind was like a magnet attracting ideas to myself. So that was kind of my game that I play to be creative. And I think that living a creative life is allowing and expecting synchronicities and seeing what shows up and trusting your intuition. So Karen Teller showed up in my life through our commitment to as volunteers to the American Red Cross. It was synchronistic. And um, we uh, were talking about outrageous things men say to women. We both have long careers in business. And we got to laughing about it, telling stories and said, you know, let's work on a book. So we're working on a book and uh, it's all about outrageous things men to say to women and how to respond to those awkward situations. When will the book come out? Um, we hope by the end of the year. We're in the writing process. I want a copy. Send me the PDF. Absolutely. Okay. okay. I've got some outrageous things men in business have said <laughs> to will. me. There were unbelievable. We would love your stories. I, I'll share at least one I can remember. It's been a long time. But yes, I could say also outrageous, thing, outrageous things women in business said to me in the workplace too, because they mm -hmm. went hand in hand. So we'll, we'll stick with the men though. Thank you, Elaine. Karen, tell her you're up, my dear. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, please? Oh, thank you. And I'm so happy I met Elaine that we're on this mission to write this book. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, so it's great to be on your show, Red. Um, I, I, when I graduated high school, everybody went to college. That was the first year. And um, I didn't want to go because my father wanted me to be a teacher. Both my parents traveled on cruise ships and I wanted to travel the world. So I wanted to be an airline stewardess. I would have really been a bad airline stewardess. My <laughs> husband said, you would look at people and say, you don't want to eat that. Like you're too fat or something. So <laughs> I, luckily there was a gas lines in, in when I graduated um, high school, it was an really a lot of inflation. So I went to work. So I went to work for a division of a big company, Scott Paper. Um, and then after the first year, I realized I better get a college degree because I'm going nowhere. So I went through school at night. I did four years and five years of night school um, and progressed in my career in a small division of a big company. And my whole career was selling foam, if you can imagine that. Imagine being single in your 20s, sitting next to a guy on an airplane and saying, he goes, what do you do? I said, well, I I sell polyurethane foam. They're like, well, what's that, right? <laughs> so it actually was a very long, interesting career and the creativity there is, I went into companies and had to find out what their problems were making things like blood oxygenators. There's foam that, that um, takes the bubbles out of your blood. People don't know about it. The inkjet printer for Hero Packard. They bought $40 million of a little 14 cent part. So I had a lot of fun in industry. So I was working with men my whole career, which... Um, gives us a lot of uh, information or a lot of data for outrageous books. So it's a lot of fun. So absolutely. Yeah. So that's my and, career. And you're a runner too. You're a runner. Where do you run? I am a runner. I've run 12 marathons. I've done Boston 10 times. Um, wow. I was going to run London yesterday, but I have a little back injury. So I'm, I'm only running four or five miles today. I've actually also climbed Kilimanjaro. I like hiking. So um, I have a book idea for Kilimanjaro too. Could be outrageous things men say to women who want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. How do you like that for a title? <laughs> there we Good go. Idea. 
My memory of, of the most outrageous thing a man ever said to me at work was uh, I was working for a very large bank in uh, downtown Manhattan, and it started with a C, and I'll leave that one alone, five letters, you all know the bank. And I was a marketing manager and doing international stuff, and I created a major newsletter. I, I actually had it printed on newsprint. I designed it. I wrote it. I tied everything, created it. It was amazing. And... Um, they, I was the first one on the floor at the building, which is a famous building in, in Wall Street. And I was the first one there at 7.15 every morning. And I had to leave a little bit early because I had two-hour trek to go home. And I was there way before anybody else. Well, they didn't like that too much. Anyway, I worked very hard. So one day they told me they didn't like how I dressed. And the answer was because they all, women wearing $1,000 business suits to work. There was no customer facing. We were in the office. And they're wearing their beautiful silk scarves inside of their jacket like this, you know, the, the right way. And maybe Elaine, a little bit like yours, draped around the neck, but done a certain way. I was taking my silk scarf and wrapping it around my hair and putting a bow here. <laughs> oh, my God. Look at her. Shade eyes and fat. And then I had these beautiful, I always heel stockings, makeup, hair done, everything. And then I had these ja sports jackets. And sometimes they had a couple of little rhinestones on on him. Oh my God, she didn't pay a thousand dollars for that. Where'd she get that? Lawrence? I'm only teasing. <laughs> anyway, one day I was told by HR that I didn't, I wasn't dressing appropriately. And this is office only. This was nobody, no, no customers ever came to see us. So my boss at the time was a, a man, I think named Mike, and he had trouble just keeping his shirt tucked in. He always looked like a slob. And they made him tell me that I wasn't dressing right for the office. <laughs> wow. And they, I know, Leon, and they made me talk to HR and they signed me up for a dress for success class. Oh, you're now, kidding. I was running executive retreats at the Greenbrier for our customers. Oh my gosh. I was designing these for high end people. I was engaging people who did laser light shows on Long Island and having them truck their equipment down. I was doing the programs, the booklets for everything, creating everything for the event, never got to go. But that was my value. I had a global newsletter, a coffee table book I designed and wrote. And they just said they didn't like my jackets and, and my bow and my hair. So <laughs> I got through that, but I was told you better shape up or that's usually my thing in workplaces. That's why I work for myself. Anyway, so that was the man, the guy who couldn't keep his shirt tucked in. <laughs> he was wow. supposed to tell me I wasn't dressed. Leone, things were so different back in the day. They're probably worse now, but very, very different. Anyway, ladies, <laughs> thank you for asking. Elaine's saying, what? We need that for the book. <laughs> we do, it down we for do. you. need I'll that. Send you, I'll send you the recording for the show. You can use it. So let's go to the quotes. I've asked the four of you to please generously send me a fictional movie or TV character quote or a song lyric. That reminds you a little bit about creativity. And you're going to explain why. Let's keep this about two minutes because it's 20 after. We have so much to talk about. So Linda Cutting, you're first. And Linda has sent us a quote from Yang, a computer voice by Justin H. Min, M-I-N. The movie is After Yang, a 2021 American metaphysical sci-fi drama film. And by the way, Karen, I wanted to say, I consider you a scientist because of what you were doing in business, because you had to know all the science of that foam. So I consider you a scientist. I don't know if anybody ever told you that, but in my book, you're a scientist. So you're a definitely STEM before we talked about STEM. So here's the quote Linda has selected. What the caterpillar calls the end, the rest of the world calls a butterfly. Oh, how pretty, Linda. And by the way, I have butterfly bushes all along the deck on the back of my house, and they're gorgeous. They're so tall, they're falling over. So Linda, talk for two minutes. Tell us how you find this, found this quote and what does it mean for our creativity conversation? Um, well, I think it's about resilience. 
I think it's about um, looking at the difficulties in life as opportunities, looking at endings as beginnings, um, and looking at everything that you've been through and finding a creative way to turn it into something else, thus the butterfly, something that kind of um, takes off and launches and is beautiful to look at. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. Somebody's getting them. At, tell them they have to wait. You're on live radio, whoever's ping that is. Thank you, Linda. Leonie Little X, I'm looking at your quote. It's from Barnabas Collins, played by, ooh, Johnny Depp. Am I allowed to say that name? But originally played by Jonathan Freed in the movie Dark Shadows 2012. We're talking 10 years ago. American epic mystery, dark fantasy, black comedy film. You know, it used to be it's a drama or it's a comedy or it's a bio, right? And now it's epic mystery, dark fantasy, black comedy film. I love the way they combine the genres. And the word is Mephistopheles. Now, Barnabas uh, Collins thinks a McDonald's sign is the symbol of Mephistopheles, a reference to Marvel fans who see everything as a sign of the Faustian demon by that name. So I need you to unpack this. Leone, what in the world does this mean? Okay, well, I just love that scene in the movie. Um, he wakes up from being uh, underground for 200 years and he sees this uh, McDonald's sign. He thinks it's like the sign of this, this demon um, that he was reading about in texts you know, before he was buried. And um, to me, it's kind of just, you know, creativity and, and, and interpretation. It's like just completely different to dip, uh, something that can be a McDonald's sign to one person can be something sinister or, or ominous to another person. Um, and I, I just think it, it speaks to how um, interpretation, there's always so much room for interpretation. I like that. And by the way, think of the of the idea of symbols, right? Symbols and labeling and everybody saw that and they said Mephisto and it meant something to them. But to me, I'm saying, what? It so, means really two different things to two different people. Yeah. Thank you very much. Very creative selection of a quote, Eloni. Eloni, I appreciate that. Let's go to Elaine. May the force be with you. This was not said by who we think it was. It was General Dodonna, played by Alex McCrindle, 1977 Star Wars episode IV. That's four in Roman numerals. A New Hope, the first installment of the Star Wars original trilogy. And it was said in a total of seven Star Wars movie. It was not said by Obi-Wan Kenobi. So, how did? well, I know how you found this one, but what does it have to do with creativity? Lane, go ahead. Oh, I love this. Um, I think that creativity flows from the unconscious when the rational mind is quiet. And to me, um, having the force with you is something really important to me. It kind of speaks to my spirituality. And I think that we get ideas. I've always been a dreamer. I remember my first dream when I was three years old. And I've studied my dreams for many, many years. And I trust my intuition and I trust that the force is with me and I trust the force for um, protection and for ideas and um, for good things in my life and for helping me grow uh, spiritually and also just in my life. You know, we all have lessons to learn and some are more difficult than others, but I think that that force is a loving force that 
helps us grow and make a difference in the world. So that's what that that. means to me. I like that. A loving force that helps us grow in the world. That's a creative approach to the force. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Karen Teller has picked a a line. It's actually a one-word quote, but I I don't know if you sent me the whole thing, but I found it. It's Mr. McGuire, played by Walter Brook, who passed away in 1986. The movie is... The Graduate. He's talking to Benjamin Braddock, played by the one and only still with us, Dustin Hoffman. 1967 American romantic comedy drama film directed by Mike Nichols. What a movie. And the highest grossing film of 1967, the 23rd highest grossing film in North America, even today, considering inflation. It got seven Oscar nominations and it won for the best director. It's the 17th greatest film of all time ranked by the American Film Institute, and it was seventh in 1997. How's that? So here is the quote Mr. McGuire says to Ben Braddock. I just want to say one word to you, just one word. Are you listening? Plastics. (laughs) Karen, I'm not surprised knowing what I do about you in the foam industry. So Karen, go ahead, regale us. What does this mean? Well, I had to use that, as I said, when I tried to explain my career to people and they didn't know what poly, and after I got an MBA, I said, I sell, uh, or I, I saw problems with engineered elastomeric materials. Now that was worse than just foam, right? No one knew what that was. So, you know, the graduate plastics, was, they were just coming around then. Um, I had to explain plastics. Rigid, there's thousands and thousands of plastics, right? I was in the flexible plastics, not the rigid plastics. And even to today, people complain about plastic in landfills. And actually, I have a lot of studies um, where plastic is actually more sustainable than paper, but no one believes me. Um, It's not as bad as everybody thinks in the world. Maybe straws are, but not the kind of plastics that we all use every day and that I was involved in. So um, I defend my my career in plastics (laughs) through The Graduate. It was a great movie, by the way. It certainly was. Thank you very much. And my have times have changed, haven't they, from back in the day? Yes. Leonie, are you familiar with the movie? I am not. No, I didn't think so. We're having a a culture. (laughs) We're having a culture, a generational culture shift here. Thank you very much. Check it out. It was it was quite interesting. Um, There's a um, uh, there's an old New York joke about uh, two men are in the fabric business and they need to go out of business. And one says, well, I'll I'll put you in my insurance policy and I'll jump out the window, say I was pushed and he's on the way down. And he passes the window of their competitors and he yells up to his partner up at the upper window. He says, cut velvet. <laughs> oh, that's bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's really bad. See, the stuff we remember when we're not supposed to. Let's go to some of your creativity statements. You all took the time graciously to send me. Linda Cutting, I'm going to read one. I'll, I'll pick one from each of you and I'll read it. You don't have to look for it. I'm looking at your statement number two, Linda. You've already talked about several of your others, but you say, I always loved I also love visual art and it required minimal supplies, pencil and paper. This is interesting. When I was eight, I wanted to paint. My parents bought me a paint by number set. Leonie's going to love this. And I painted outside the lines using my own design with all the different little oil paints and brushes that came with the set. Oh my. When my daughter did that, they told me she needed remedial reading and writing help. And she's a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant artist and a doctor. So yeah, we didn't pay attention to that. Linda, Two minutes. What does this mean to us? Go ahead. It's just going to be fun to hear this. Go ahead. Well, I think painting outside the lines is what creativity is about. I mean, I did the same thing with coloring books. I just, I just used them as a canvas and I colored over the lines and did my own pictures. (laughs) 
But what was great about the paint by number sets is it gave me access to all these little oil paint sets. And um, I loved experimenting with color. And it was really just between that and playing the piano, I, I felt very happy to have some creative outlets always, on a low budget. Always a low budget. fun. <laughs> I will tell you that when I moved to Durham five years ago, there was a sale at Michael's on an art kit in a great big portfolio. It was something like reduced to $59. So I went and bought it. I hadn't painted, drawn anything, stuck it in the closet for two years. And one day I got motivated. I took it out. I looked at it. It had pencils. It had paints. It had watercolors. It had acrylics. It had brushes. It had sample paper. It had a book on the different media and what they mean and how they work and all that. Well, very interesting. And I put it away for another couple of weeks. And then I took some construction paper and I started doing some doodling around. And then I decided I was going to get some real canvases. And I started painting what you're looking at here behind me, not the caricature, is one of my early paintings without the lips. And these, this is my concept of a city where I have with the glitter uh, on the background with the wash of colors. I don't know if you can see it, ladies. Those, that was my idea of a city in a very abstract way with watercolors. And then I had jewelry, unmatched earrings where I had lost the mate. And I punched them through the canvas. And that's part of the decoration of the buildings. Those are the lights. Those are the windows and all that. And then when I started the show, the end, the art department at Voice America put the lips on for Read My Lips, and they add, and then we added the, the title of the show. But then I went on a few years later, decided to, I took a, uh, watched a video of acrylic paint pouring. So I bought acrylic paints, and I, I, I'm assuming some of you know that you put them in egg crates, and you layer the colors, and you turn them upside down and dump them, and then you tilt the canvas, and things, we just froze, and things appear, first freezing, 31 minutes, that's a record, and things mm -hmm. appear, it will unfreeze in a second, things appear, and I've seen elephants marching across the page, I've seen dancers on a Broadway stage, I've seen all kinds of things appear in the acrylic. Josh, am I still broadcasting? Can you still hear me? Anyway, I'm hoping for the freezing to go away. Yeah. So I ended up with, uh, when I moved, oh, my whole thing froze here. Let's just hope it unfreezes. Josh, are we still on? Josh? Oh, there we are. Okay, we're good. My Mac froze. Thank you very much. When I, by the time I moved here to Durham, I have 200 paintings. So my garage in Durham had about 75 paintings and they were all over the wall. So when my realtor saw the house, he said, first of all, get rid of the red feature walls. You will never sell your house. The red backsplash quartz with sparkles. He said, that's too bad. Nobody will buy it, but we'll do, we'll manage it. And he said, take down all your goddamn paintings. So I had them in boxes, my movers, and I had bought canvases that were huge and they're all packed up. And so all over this house in, in Loudoun, Tennessee, I've got boxes of my paintings. I don't know where anything is. And I miss them. I really miss them. But I enjoyed the the watercolors. Uh, I Leonie, I enjoyed watercolor, but I really enjoyed the the acrylics because I learned to do the balloon, you know, fill a balloon with water and then you dip it in multiple colors and then you make flowers. I learned to do lilies with a string where you put dip it in paint, you make an S shape and then you pull it and it makes the trumpets of the lilies never a brush and it and you spatulas and it's just wonderful. So I'm setting up. I will tell you in my new house here, I have a sunroom with windows on three sides. And I have put a large dining room table with a glass top, and that's going to be my art studio. Perfect. I have to 
Thank you. I just had to put a heater in there because in Durham, I had a massive kitchen counter right across from the sink and I'd put a, a doggy pad, a pee pad on it and paint there and I could wash everything in the sink behind me. You should have seen the floor. You don't want to know. And the stuff I was peeling off the sink here, I don't have access in the kitchen. It's a different kitchen. So I will be doing something to cover the floor. But Leonie, I'm so excited to be able to start painting again. I have missed it. So. Oh, it's wonderful. Thank, thank you. I'm just delighted that I have a room, a room. And I took the dining room because I don't do formal entry. I, I put my baby grand piano in the dining room, which I did in Durham. But why did you want a formal dining room table? Everybody has one. Well, I don't want one. So the dining room table is now the art table. P.S. That's okay. It's my house. So let's go on. Who are we up to? Leone, I'm looking at your statement number four. Let me read this. Very interesting. You say, I know that tapping into creativity comes more easily for me. This is you talking than most people. I have friends that will say stuff like, you're so creative. I don't know how you thought of that idea. And I'm always marveling at how they managed to keep their lives so organized and balanced. I'm going to stop there. Leone, why don't you? <laughs> it's funny coming from an artist. Leone, tell us a little bit more about this, please. Go ahead. Um, I get that all the time where, I, where people are like, I don't know how you think of these ideas. You know, you're so creative, like you're just so imaginative. Right. And then I'm like, I don't know how you like manage to, you know, like, I don't know, know when you have to get your car fixed or I didn't know I had to pay like excise tax on my car until I got like a, you know, a bill in the mail or things are disorganized all the time for me. Um, and so just managing like, uh, I don't know, I guess, I guess like uh, linear thinking is not, does not come easily for me. I'm kind of abstract. I'm all over the place. Um, so I think, yeah, just, just, just life, life function is, uh, is, 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 <laughs> That's what I marvel at sometimes, or when I go into somebody's kitchen and it's so organized, you know, I and know everything is just has its place. Um, sometimes it's annoying, isn't it? <laughs> when a house is too perfect, I say, do people really live here or do they take a picture from Better Homes and Gardens or whatever the current magazine is of the high end houses? And, and how did it get that perfect and beautiful? Mine never looks like that. That's okay, right, Leone? That's yeah. okay. As long as we can pay the bills and find a way to get them in on yeah, time, that's yeah. okay. It just maybe more effort, I think, sometimes um, for me to organize those kind of logistical things. Um, I agree. I well. agree. Yeah. Thank I, you. May I say something about yeah, Leone? Sure. Sure, Linda. Go ahead. She, <clears throat> I, she has a wonderful sense of empathy. So she could take that you know two rhymed lines for each letter and kind of dwell in the, in the emotion of it and give these amazing images of animals that contain the empathy of the words i just had to say that well that's what we're looking for is those creative moments that matter right linda and right leone thank you linda Let's go to Elaine. I have statement number four here. I love this one. I highlighted it when you sent it to me. I think I commented you. Elaine says, to learn about creativity, sit down and draw, paint, or color with a child. That's the untapped. That's the raw. That's the unmitigated. Un, uh, that's the un... You shouldn't be coloring outside the lines, right? Linda, uh, Elaine, Elaine, sorry. Elaine, talk yeah. to me. Go ahead. Yeah, so I think it's so fun, you know, creativity, children just have it, you know, they don't have the same boundaries and restrictions. And I can't, I can't, I can't, everything is I can. And to be with a child and watch what they do and how they think is so fascinating. 
Um, I think the older we get, the more restrictions we play and put on ourselves and painting within the lines. And, you know, we our world goes from massive to just more narrow. So I think being with children, it helps us to stay open and see the wonder of things and to expand ourselves. And you know how you hear rules sometimes like, oh, we don't put this color with that color and children just don't have those rules. So it's, it's just fascinating to be quiet and watch and learn and, uh, and see what, what they come up with. It's really a, a lesson in expansion and, um, and painting outside the lines. <laughs> That's it. We, know, we need to go back to the child who said it was okay to painting outside. I remember once somebody told me green was not my color. I wasn't always a redhead, but I was my late teens, and I've stayed pretty much that way. Blonde, red, blonde a little bit for a while, but always, always in this tone. And somebody said to me, you never wear green. Well, I was sewing all my own clothes back in the day, and I bought this gorgeous, soft, uh, narrow whale green corduroy, and I made a jacket and a skirt. And wow. it was gorgeous. And I said to myself, whoever told me that, I didn't yes. say that. Yes. <laughs> because who cares? It's me, you know? It was, mm. it's uh, very, very interesting. Anyway, so let's go to Karen. I have, I'm going to combine your statements number two and three because I like them both, Karen. So let me read both of them and then you can explain. Number two, you say baking dessert has always been a passion, fun to create something to enjoy with others. That's interesting. And then you say, I, along the same lines, you say creativity is bringing different people together, creating new bonds, such as your book club of 20 years. So we're baking and we're reading books. So Karen, talk to me. Yeah, my book club's um, celebrating 20 years together this month, actually. It's been great fun. A very diverse group of women. They love each other. Um, it's just been a wonderful experience. Um, and they basically all have me in common because they wouldn't have known each other mostly if it weren't for somehow I met them. And um, not, not having gone to school or growing up in the area, I live in Boston now, I had to make friends. So when you make friends, I like to have my friends all know each other, at least me. Um, and I do love to bake. My, my husband was an excellent cook and he couldn't make a, even a pie crust. I remember he was trying to roll something out, throw it away. I'm like, that's easy. So I, I do enjoy baking. I think um, I'm kind of a snob when it comes to desserts. If you're going to eat, you might as well eat a good one. Right? Okay. Um, what are your favorite three desserts that you like to bake? Come on. Everybody <laughs> wants to know. I say, see Linda and, and Elaine and Leon, Leon and not so much. They, we're all salivating. Tell us. Well, Karen. I really like, um, I like a, a tart for Diane. It's a fruit tart and it's a lemon base. Um, I have a really good lemon almond cake and I make a great blueberry tart. Very nice. And I will tell you that my mom had a cheesecake recipe, a real classic oh. with Three, I think it was three pounds of cheese and five eggs and two cups oh, of sugar. Oh, and oh not a healthy one. No. Oh, no, no, no. But I waited until I was 26 years old to bake that. And I did. It was the kind of cake that was so rich. A serving for an adult was about an inch wide. That's all you wanted because it just, I mean, like three glasses of milk to get it down. <laughs> Phenomenal. I haven't made it in years and I really shouldn't. But you know what? One of these days. Maybe yeah. I will. Why not? Right? Oh, you know what? You know what I make really well? A very good fig newton. I make the best fig newtons. I almost started what? a business with fig newtons. What? Yeah, the problem they're they're great. It's a shortbread crust and they make the filling and it's they're outrageously delicious. Um no one's ever had a homemade fake newton. 
a figment like mine. They're, we're all getting together. Ladies, we're going to get your outrageous <laughs> book. We're going to have our own book club party virtually. And Karen is going to taste the. You're going to bake for us. I'll bake you're going to tell us how good they are. Okay, ladies, we'll get back together <laughs> yes. again. Leonie, are you in? Linda, are you in? We're going to do the outrageous. There we go. Yeah. Okay, I want to do some celebrity birthdays here. So let me just, if you know who they are, just wave or clap or say happy birthday or yell something out. So Chubby Checker, the twist. He's 81 today. Come on, baby. There we go. Let's get into that. When when I was in a Motown band at a rock and roll band in my community in Durham, I was the drummer in the end. Yes, I'm a chick drummer. Drum, drummer. And I'm allowed to say that. Drummer, yeah. <laughs> I started playing and six weeks later, I was playing in an adult band at the School of Rock. And then I formed a couple of my own bands. And then I was anyway. So we used to play the twist and everybody liked it. And I used to announce over the microphone, ambulances are standing by. Don't hurt yourself because it was (laughs) a 55 plus community. (laughs) We're not insured, but the ambulance is outside. No heart attacks, please. Tommy Lee, drummer in the glam metal band Motley Crue, is 60 today. Good for him. Now, here's a singer I think you all know, Gwen Stefani, mm-hmm. all of 53. She was, no doubt, that was her f- first song. She also sang Just a Girl, Don't Speak, Hey Baby, which got a Grammy. She had a solo track called Why, What Are You Waiting For? She was on The Voice, and guess who she met and married? Blake Shelton. They I just saw that today, yes. There you go. <laughs> yeah, they married yeah. last July, so yeah. there. Now, here's an actress I had I heard of, but I don't watch Game of Thrones, Lena Hedy, H-E-A-D-E-Y, TV actress. She's 49 today. And her sister, even though they're not, is Nev Campbell, who's also 49, movie and TV actress. She was featured in the Scream films and the TV's Party of Five. Ashley Simpson, pop singer, 38 today. Here's somebody, uh, if anybody see Stranger Things on Netflix? Is anybody a fan? Yeah. <gasps> Leone is. Well, Noah Schnapp is 18. He plays Will Byers in Stranger Things, so in case you know. Now, I have two social media stars. I like to read these because this is just so much fun. I picked two unusual names. Both of them today are YouTube stars, and I will make you jealous when I tell you how many followers they have, so don't get upset, everybody. <laughs> There's a YouTuber named JSH. DIY. So just DIY. I think that means do it yourself. I'm not sure. He's a creative. There's the word a slime creator whose YouTube channel has everybody sitting down. I think you're all sitting down 2.2 million subscribers. Wow. 2.2 million. Okay. He makes slime tutorials featuring everything from memory foam to slime latte art. I can't even imagine I can't imagine Leone. He posts photos of his boba tea and other drinks from Starbucks on his JSHDIY Instagram account. He's Insta too. And in October 2016, he debuted on his YouTube channel with the video, Turn Liquid into a Squishy. <laughs> Ladies, seriously, are we doing something wrong? I mean, Leone, wouldn't you love to have two points? Two points I think it's genius. It's probably just so simple. It's probably just really satisfying to watch, you know? Absolutely. And you know something, these kids just came out of the, out of whatever they were doing and said, I want to share this with the world. And people said, heck yes. And they started following. I mean, there's, there's no business plan behind these as far as I know. It's slime stuff. And they, people, people are hungry for maybe not the slime, but they're hungry for distraction. They're hungry for out of the box ideas. They're hungry for people who have the, my people say the chutzpah. To go to go out of that box and create something that nobody's what seriously slime yeah I think the guy's really cool. Then we have somebody named A Y A Z. It's A Y E Y A H Z E. The capital A, the capital Y, and the capital Z. He's twenty five. He's a YouTube personality with daily 
Roblox videos. I don't know what an R-O-B-L-O-X video is. Some said to music videos. He only, guy's not really popular. He only has 1.6 million. I, I don't know what's wrong with him. Uh, Gaming-related content, which extends to Fortnite. We know that's a game. He's made Roblox music videos for songs by Lil Pump. I don't know who that is, but Lil Nas X. I know who that is because he's always doing something with his hands when he's performing. Let's let's uh, have a couple of holidays today. Today is National Mean Girls Day. I hope oh. none of you are, but <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh. It's National Consignment Day. Go take Ooh. your things you don't want to a consignment shop or better just donate them, right? Uh, <laughs> it's National Kevin Day, a.k.a. Hug a Kevin. Last week was Amanda Day, and I have to tell you, I met somebody named Amanda, I think when I was closing on my mortgage and I, she was, oh, she was the one who was giving me the ABN routing number for the wiring for my instructions for the, that the buyers haven't paid yet because they had a problem with a title company in Tampa that closed because of the storm and they couldn't wait. They're two days late wiring the fund. So they half own my house, but they don't, don't even ask, please. Anyway, the woman <laughs> said her name was Amanda. So I had, there was Amanda day last Monday. So I said, you know, there's Amanda day. She said, I never heard of that. I said, look it up in the 17th and 18th century. Amanda was one of the most used female names in movie, not movies, and in movies, in, uh, in stories, in poems, in, in literature. And then it became something like the 37th most popular name in the 1900s. And now it's not that popular anymore. But she appreciated that knowledge. I thought, you know, I researched it. Why not share it? Uh, it's also National Techies Day. How many people like me are a techie? I'm a techie. Anybody here? No, Leonie's not. Linda, you techie? No, Karen? Not sure? A little bit. Little, little bit. Elaine, what about you? Not too much. Oh, I've been doing my own computer stuff for 40 years now, and I just love it. I love a good challenge, especially when the people on the phone who are supposed to be helping me have no clue what they're talking about. <laughs> we figure it out, don't we, girls? Okay. I, I am old enough to have learned DOS. I did learn DOS okay. back in the 80s, So. That's the operating system. Okay, let's go now. I have a couple of interesting historical movie, not hysterical, historical uh, music history notes. In 1945, oh my God, Elvis Presley's first public performance was age 10. And he sang something called Old Shep. I don't know if that's a Bible song or is that a, a biblical song? Old Shep and a youth talent contest at the Mississippi Alabama Fair and Dairy Show in Tupelo, Mississippi. Hmm. The contest oh. was broadcast over WELO radio. Who knows this stuff except me? You know I memorize this, Lena. I'm not reading. I'm not reading. He <laughs> won the fifth prize, and the fifth prize was $5 in tickets for the rides at the fair. Is that cool? Elvis Presley at age 10 singing old chap. I didn't know that. Uh, Noel Coward had a play called Sail Away in 1961 starring Elaine Stritch and it opened at the Broadhurst Theater in New York City. It ran for 167 performances. In 1962, the next year, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. Everybody remember Anthony Newley? That opened at the Schubert Theater and that played for 886 performances. Oh. In 1963, the following year, Meredith Wilson. Remember the music man? Meredith Wilson's musical, Here is Love, based on the film. That's why I picked it. Miracle on 34th Street opened at the Schubert. It ran for 300. 38 performances. In 1970, Andre Previn and Alan J. Lerner's musical Coco, inspired by Coco Chanel and starring Katherine Hepburn, closed at the Mark Hellinger Theater after 329 performances, but it won two Tony Awards. And I have one more in 1975. Apple Records released George Harrison's sixth studio album, Extra Texture, 
in the UK. That's all I've got for that. We've got about nine minutes left. So let's just open this up. Let's go around the table. Some thoughts for sparking creativity and our listeners, our viewers around the world. Anything you, I don't know why this hasn't started again. My goodness. Come on, come on, Facebook. Here we go. I'm trying to refresh the page. There we go. It'll catch up. It's recording. Okay. Um, so let's talk about, um, yes, let's talk about what advice would you give? Let's start with you, Linda. We'll go in the regular order. Two minutes apiece, just barely. Linda, what advice would you give for somebody who is listening to the show or watching us on Facebook and says, I'm not creative. I couldn't do what she does. What would you say to them? Linda? I'd say give yourself a problem to solve. You know, Ooh. put bounds around it and um, put a box around it that you've got to creatively find a way out of. That could be a writing prompt or... It could be um, to improvise some music or it could be to draw to some music. Um, I love actually, I when I was teaching in college, I actually taught a graduate course called Collaborative Music, Art and Literature. And it was for musicians, but it was basically to give them other means to um, interpret the music so that they could see a painting and be inspired by it and bring it back to their playing, to their work. Or, or they could read um, a play or a poem or a novel and bring elements of that into their work. And so um, I'd say limit the problem, make the problem small, but uh, give yourself a wide range to create a solution. <laughs> I like that. That's very, very interesting. Thank you, Leone. Any advice to somebody who says, you know, well, with your case, they say, I can't draw, I can't paint, I can't make yeah, a circle. What do you say? Time. I hear that all the time, um, teaching, teaching art classes. Um, my advice, well, creativity is, it's like, a, it's like a muscle or something that can be trained. You can train yourself to be creative. Um, so starting with prompts um, is great. What Linda suggested, totally a great way to be creative. Um, sometimes I think um, forcing yourself to come up with more than one solution um, or idea um, for a theme. So let's say um, I'm I you got you got to make a painting. I'm going to tell you red to you got to paint something, and you're like I don't know what to paint. I have no idea. I'm not creative. All right, well just write down. 20 things go, you know, like just it, no matter how lame or, or you think it's not a great idea, just start writing things out and then see what you end up with. Um, come up with, with many ideas or many solutions to one problem. Um, even if, if you think they're not great, if they're not good or they're not worth anything, that's how you get yourself to start thinking creatively. Interesting. And, and when I was painting before I moved, sometimes I would look at a painting and I'd say, I'm not done yet. I didn't know why, but I'm not done yet. And then I go back and look at it the next day or the next night. Sometimes I would just color right over it or I would scrape everything and see what was left on the canvas. There would be some color stains, some pink here or red here or yellow, whatever it was. And I'd say, what am I going to do? And then I would sometimes pour brand new colors over it, but use the basis of what was already on the canvas. It wasn't white anymore. Yeah. And I would see something else and something else would appeal to me. And it could be just going for two or three days. And I knew when I was done because yeah. something told me. You you agree with that, Leonie? It told me it was done. Oh, completely, completely. And that's just your, that's trusting your intuition as well. Yes, 
yes with your intuition over um logical thinking i like that thank you very much elaine what advice would you give two minutes yeah so um i think that when we try to think something up too much we get into our left brain and we can't be creative so one thing i think is fun to do is to do a self-portrait like a visioning board and it's not where you have to draw it or paint it, but you um, go to the internet, print out pictures of things you like, or get magazines and cut out things. It could be things that remind you of your childhood, your life now, what you see in the future, and take a piece of poster board and just start pasting things on there. And, you know, when you're doing it about yourself, all of a sudden you become, oh, this is kind of fun or, oh, I need, I like swimming. So I want to find that and put that in there too. And, and then to just take a marker or whatever and connect things, you know, so all of a sudden you're connecting things and you have a piece of art and you don't even realize it when you step back, it's this really fun kind of thing about who you are um, as a self-portrait done through pasting and pictures and connecting lines and drawing stars or whatever really speaks to you. So I think that's a real fun way to lose yourself and get out of your left brain. And you're not even realizing you're being creative until you stop and see how fun it was. I like that. And I will tell you, when I was drumming at open mics in uh, Raleigh, Durham, and the Cary, some of the bars and and the taverns and uh, I would. I was me. Everybody was in jeans or shorts and t-shirts, and I was wearing my little red boots with the heel, with like suede with a pattern in them, with a little gold zipper up the side. And I was wearing a black dress with a sparkly black jacket, and I had my makeup on and my hair fluffed up, and everybody looked at me like and red drumsticks, red sticks. You know, an open <laughs> mic, fun. you bring three songs, and you get to and they gather musicians around you, and they see who wants to play with and what my name was, and then a guitar would come up, and a bass player would come up and maybe uh, three singers off key, of course, would come up and we would just start. I, I started the timing and we just went and we drummed. And one night, my songs usually were The Thrill Is Gone by B.B. King, uh, Old Time Rock and Roll uh, and um, Mustang Sally. That was my key song, Mustang Sally, because I could really <laughs> drum that well. One night, my three songs went for almost 19 minutes. It was oh. 100 degrees in there. Wow. I was dressed with black tights and a dress and the sparkles and everything. And people in the audience were saying, she's going to pass out. She's going to die up there. And other drummers were ready to come up and relieve me. But I was an anomaly because I was me, right? I dressed yes. the way I wasn't supposed to dress at Chase. I dressed all sparkly. Let's go around. We have just a minute. I'm sorry. Karen, talk to me. What advice would you give quickly, dear? Well, quickly, I'm not classically artistic. And I think when people ask you that question, you think you paint or play a music, music, you know, any kind of music. And that's not me. It's it's in what Linda said, you're problem solving. I think you can be very creative and problem solving every day, whether it's your work or your personal relationships. And um, I, for instance, I um, started a sleepwear company because women were going through menopause and um, sweating at night. And I was a runner saying, well, why can't we? have fabrics that we sleep in that we run in that keeps you dry at night. So they're problem solving, you know, in ways that are different. Um, so that, that makes you creative too. You don't have to draw or paint or play. Yes, the absolutely. But I would love to play the drums. 
I well, love sharing. Start, start <laughs> lessons. I will tell you, it just, it, I just one day decided and I took lessons. And before I knew what I was in bands, so what am I going to do is play in my house. So I just joined a bunch of bands, started my own bands. It was a, oh, it's a great. blast. Had a blast. Quickly, website for each of you. Where do you want people to go real fast? Linda Cutting, where should people find you? Um, it's actually just www.lindacutting.com. It's my author website. L-I-N-D-A-C-U-T-T-I-N-G. Leonie, yeah. where? LeonieArt.com, L-E-O-N-I-E-A-R-T.com. Thank you. Elaine, where? Well, we're creating our, our uh, website. So for now, it's uh, Facebook.com forward slash Outrageous Things Men Say to Women. I love it. Thank you very much, Karen. That's the same one, I assume. Ditto. I'm going to close. Don't go away afterwards. I want to take some more pictures and I want to debrief with all of you. I can't believe we only had one freeze and I'm aware of in the whole hour. They doubled my speed here. Spectrum did. Thank you, the gods who call themselves Spectrum. So here's my, here's my, my shout outs. Here are my closing remarks. Life is short. Break the rules. We all know how that works. Somebody just dropped off. Oh, it's who dropped off? Um, Linda dropped mm-hmm. off. Break the rules. Forgive quickly, kiss slowly. It's the only way to kiss. Love truly, laugh uncontrollably. Ladies, laugh with me. One, two, three. (laughs) I should always do that at the beginning of the show. And never regret anything that made you smile. Final closing words. Work like you don't need the money. Dance like no one's watching, but they sure watched when I was dancing on tabletops teaching disco to 200 people. Sing like nobody's listening. And love like you've never been heard. Heck, we all have. Just get over it and move on. Money talks, chocolate sings, and last but not least, and I stole this line from another host. Thank you for turning me on. Over and out, Radio (laughs) Red. Have a great one, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.